Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello again, friends, and welcome on into episode 111 of the SCO Show, proudly a part of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network and brought to you by the great folks at SB Nation. My name is Mark Schofield, back in the big chair for today, Tuesday, May 26th, 2020. Bit of a late start to the week. Why? Well, we had the Memorial Day holiday, and I hope those of you here in the States, perhaps those of you around the world that got a chance to observe the Memorial Day holiday, had a relaxing Memorial Day Took some time to reflect about the day, about the meaning, and then everything the day stands for. But we are back at it now. We're going to have, again, two shows a week. We'll have this one on Tuesday. We'll have another show Thursday. What we're going to do today, we're going to talk NFL offenses. Why? Because this is an NFL podcast. And because I just ranked all 32 of the NFL offenses headed into the 2020 season. And so... Since, as always, there are takes to be had. If I'm going to be making them, I'm going to be defending them. So I'm going to walk through some of the rankings that have caught some people a bit off guard, gotten the people a little bit riled up on the old Bird app. And speaking of the Bird app, please do a follow along with the hijinks at Mark Schoolfield on Twitter. And I've forgotten to mention this, so I want to make sure I do it here. If you do follow me on the old Bird app, if you are listening to this show and I don't follow you back, Send me a little nudge, a little reminder. If you're going to listen to me drone on for, you know, almost two hours a week and follow along on the Bird app, the least I can do is give you the old follow back. So if I don't follow you back, hit me up, shoot me a DM, pin me on Twitter, whatever. I'll get to that as soon as I can. Also, check out the work. Like I said, USA Today Touchdown Wire, Matt Waldwood's rookie scouting portfolio, and not one and not two. But three SB Nation websites, Big Blue View, Bleeding Green Nation, and right here at Pat's Pulpit. Let's dive into some offenses in the NFL, worst to first, 32 to 1. And we're probably not going to go through all of them in depth. We'll stop at some teams of note along the journey. And again, this if you wanted to read more, you could check out the piece on Touchdown Wire. But we start at the bottom. Start at the bottom. Now we're here. Number 32, Washington. I think things sort of speak for themselves. They were lowest in the league last year in points per game. And it's not like they really addressed the offense that much. Terry McLaurin looks nice. But there are still some question marks. 31, the New York Jets. They were 31st in the league last year in points per game. 32nd in the league in yards per game. 32nd in the league in yards per play. Now look. They had Denzel Mims. They added a ton of resources along the offensive line and Mekhi Becton. 
you're going to get hopefully Sam Darnold for a full healthy 16 game slate. So this could be an offense that gets better. But it's got a ways to go. At 30, the Cincinnati Bengals. And yes, they have Joe Mixon. They have Joe Burrow. They have A.J. Green. Like This is an offense that could be a lot better than what it was last year. But last year it was a bad offense. 30th in points per game, 26th in yards per game, 28th in yards per play. I'm a believer in Joe Burrow, but I got to see it before I move him up higher on this ranking. A 29 Chicago, and it's all about the quarterback position. If they could figure it out, this is a team that has some weapons. But they got to figure out the quarterback position. A 28 Miami, can they protect Tua? Is Tua going to be ready to go? Similar to Cincinnati, they have some pieces in place. Similar to the New York Jets, they've added a lot to the offensive line. They could have four, maybe even five fresh new faces on the offensive line. But it's an offensive line that struggled to protect Ryan Fitzpatrick last year. And how quickly are you going to be comfortable running Tua out there behind that offensive line? At 27, Jacksonville. Look, I like Gardner Minshew. There's certainly some potential there. But they also address the defense, much like Washington. Look, C.J. Henderson, Caleb on Chasen, those were their first two picks in this draft, at 9 and 20 respectively. Chenault is a nice player. I love LaVleska Chenault, but they addressed defense first. And look, that was the recipe that got them within a Miles Jack's knee was down of the Super Bowl. You notice how Jaguars fans always work that in? I'm kicking around the idea of a piece where I write about, you know, every NFL team, their fans sort of elevator pitch, right? You bump into a, a Jaguars fan in an elevator. How quickly did they bring up Miles Jack's knee was down? How quickly does a Raider fan bring up the tuck rule? How quickly does a Patriots fan bring up Tom Brady being picked 199? Like every NFL team's like go-to thing for Jags fans, it might be Miles Jack's knee. Anyway, Jacksonville at 27. At 26, buckle up, friends. I've often joked that if you take the spiciest takes, you put them in a podcast, you, you put them in an article, you don't tweet them out. Because nobody reads anymore. Nobody listens to pods anymore. Although, look, you've made it this far, so pat on the back for yourself. But at 26, I've got the New England Patriots. And a lot of it is, yes, the transition from Tom Brady to Jared Stidham. But let's face it, there are question marks around this offense. There are question marks at wide receiver. Are we going to get a full year from Muhammad Sanu, a full year from Julian Edelman? How quickly do the new tight ends acclimate? Are we going to get David Andrews back? Is he going to be up and healthy? Are we going to get our best Shaq Mason? He struggled at times. How is this offensive line going to be without Dante Scarnecchia? And so there are questions all over the offense here. Now, I don't think this team ends up at 26, but I think going into the season, until we see it over a couple of games here from Jared Stidham, we've got to be a little bit cautious here. And as I said at the end of the write-up, I'm probably not welcome home back now. Welcome back home now. A 25, the Chargers. They got questions at quarterback too. A 24, New York Giants. Can Danny Dimes hold on to the football? He had 18 turnovers last season. I mean, excuse me, 18 fumbles. And he lost 11 of those. And 10 of those 11 lost fumbles led directly to points. 
I'm going to be, I'm working through my NFC East metrics that matter. That's the big one. Because on 10 of those lost fumbles, either the team had a scoop and score that happened three times or the offense scored on the next possession. The only time it didn't was at the end of their week one game when he fumbled and Dak Prescott just had to take a knee on the next play. Next two plays, actually. So can he hold on to the football? That's a huge question. Number 23, Buffalo Bills. If Josh Allen can figure it out, this is a better offense. If they get an average deep ball passer, this is a better offense. But as it is right now, there are 22 offenses, I think, that are better in this league. Now, their defense is fantastic. And when we talk about defensive rankings a little later, we'll get to that. But right now, offense, eh. This was one that caught people a bit by surprise. I get Denver at 22. And a lot of people say, look, look what they added. You know, you add Jerry Judy. You add KJ Hamler. You've added Melvin Gordon. You could be looking at an 11 personnel group of Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, Cortland Sutton at wide receiver, Noah Fant at tight end, and Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon at running back. That's a pretty good 11 personnel package. The problem is, again... We haven't seen it. And we hope that Drew Locke takes that year two leap. But we have to be cautiously optimistic. And this was a bottom five offense a year ago. They were 28th in points per game, 28th in yards per game, 26th in yards per play. Now, there is a team that I sort of bump up wildly. But until... I see it from Drew Locke. I'm not going to go there. There is a team, like I said, we're going to get to sort of in the top 10 that I maybe took a swing on. But with it, with reason. And you'll see that in a minute. At 21, the Raiders. Middle of the pack offense last year. They were 23rd in points per game. 11th in yards per game. 9th in yards per play. Again, Henry Ruggs could be a perfect fit for this offense. Derek Carr put up some solid numbers last year. But again, hesitant. Because it's still Derek Carr. He still seems to be good, not great. He seems to be the next Andy Dalton. And the fact that they went out and got Marcus Mariota, and it makes it easier for them to get out from Carr's contract and Mariota's, tells me how they feel about Derek Carr. A 20, the Panthers, and this is a I love Joe Brady ranking. I will admit that right here at the outset. Because this was an offense that was middle of the pack. You know, 20th in points per game, 19th in yards per game, 25th in yards per play. You've got a new quarterback, a new offensive coordinator. Christian McCaffrey is great, but I think this is more a bet on Brady and Bridgewater's familiarity with that offense than anything else. A 19 Pittsburgh, another team that was a bottom five offense last year, but with a healthy Roethlisberger, they should be better. That's the big question mark, because they didn't do much to address quarterback outside of getting Roethlisberger back. If they lose him again, it's another bottom five offense. At 18, the Detroit Lions. Similar situation. If Matthew Stafford can stay healthy, it's a top 10 offense. If he can't, it's not. And he's been banged up the past two seasons. At 17, Houston. If this was purely a quarterback ranking, they would be higher than 17, because I love Deshaun Watson. Look for the tweets. Dig them up. Deshaun Watson, no matter what. That was me like two years before his draft. When I was watching him play, I think, against NC State. 
but it's an offense that has questions. And they are, they traded away perhaps their best weapon in DeAndre Hopkins. And, and so, how can you get on board with that? I don't think you can. So that's your top, I mean, your bottom half of the league right there. Up next, after a quick little break, we'll do the top 16 offenses working from 16 to 1. That's ahead on episode 111 of The Sco Show. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Mark Schofield back with you now in episode 111 of the Sco Show. And we're working our way through the top 32 offenses headed into the 2020 season, as, as ranked by yours truly. And look, I admit, I am just a reformed attorney. My expertise in insurance defense. I'm just a pseudo-expert. But I put the takes out there for the world to see. I stand by them. I defend them when I need to and defend them I shall as need be. Let's get into top 16 now. We begin with a team at 16 that some people, Chris Westland, for example, who I think the world of, one of the absolute nicest people in all of football Twitter, got a chance to find, I, I've known Chris through the Bird app for a while now, but I, I finally got a chance to meet up at the Combine. One of the legitimate nicest people there is. And got a chance to talk to him for a little bit. Um, tremendous, tremendous person. He has this team ranked in his top 10. And a lot of people do. And I get it. And that's the Cleveland Browns. And on paper, this should be a top 10 offense. You've got Odell. You've just acquired your right tackle, Jack Conklin, via free agency. You've just added your left tackle via the draft. And Jedrick Wills. You've got St- Kevin Stefanski, who I think is a much better fit schematically for the quarterback. You add Austin Hooper with David Njoku. You're going to be running a lot of 12 personnel. You add the fullback from Andy Janovich from Denver. Like You're going to be running some 21 personnel. They did that a lot with Minnesota last year. If you could get the quarterback playing to a guy you can win with Kirk Cousins type level, this is a top 10 offense. But we're talking about Baker Mayfield. And the issue is this. It's something that Doug Farrar, my colleague over at USA Today, highlighted in a recent piece. From a clean pocket last year, Baker Mayfield threw 16 picks and had a league worst 84.0 NFL quarterback rating. That's just from a clean pocket. He has to get better. Until he does, I can't put this offense in the top 10. On paper, I see it. I understand it. But I can't go there. At 15, an offense that, if we were ranking coaches, is probably top 10. That's the Los Angeles Rams. Like, what are we going to see from Jared Goff? What are we going to see from McVay? How are they going to rebound after it seems like the league caught up to them and figured them out a bit? Starting with perhaps the Detroit Lions and the Chicago Bears two seasons ago. Sort of around the week 13 mark. 
you know, the Rams, or they're using that pre-snap motion, that jet motion, 11 personnel. Teams were chasing it left and right. And finally, Matt Patricia, right around halftime of that game, you know, in the last half of the season, said, we're just going to stop chasing this motion. And then the Bears followed that recipe. And then the Eagles followed that recipe. And certainly in Super Bowl 53, the Patriots followed that recipe because they just went cover four and said, look, run what you want to do. Run all over the place. We don't care. We're just going to drop it at quarters. And Jared Goff's not going to be good enough. And that's what happened. And so the league has sort of figured out what they're doing. How will McVay respond? That's what I want to see there. At 14, the Indianapolis Colts. I think Phillip Rivers is a great fit for what they're going to do offensively. A lot of air raid, West Coast types of stuff. He might not have the arm for the downfield game anymore, but he's going to be like Andrew Luck was when he came back and they were worried about the shoulder. That's an offense that made the playoffs. At 13, Philadelphia. They seem to be an offense that's changing, right? In Jalen Ragor, in Marquise Goodwin, in John Hightower, in Quez Watkins. They want to be a vertical team now. It might take some adjustment. An offense that could be top 10 on paper. They have a fantastic offensive line. And yes, there's the Carson Wentz 16-game question. He made it 16 games. He just didn't make it through 17 last year. And look, I'm a... Big a Carson Wentz fan as it gets. You do wonder. At 12, Minnesota Vikings. I think they take a step back with the departures of Stefanski, number one, and Stephon Diggs, number two. I think Justin Jefferson is a nice receiver who's going to give you some of what you lost with Diggs. I think, look, Stefanski, the brain drain, yeah, that's true. There's a loss there. But Gary Kubiak is going to be running a very similar offense. You're going to see a lot of the same concepts. So, a step back, yeah. But this was a top 10 offense last year. I've got him at 12. I don't think it's a big loss or they don't take a huge leap backwards or anything like that. At 11, the Green Bay Packers, a team that might be transitioning a bit to more of a 49ers type of offense. Matt LaFleur has said as much, particularly when they draft Josh DeGuara. What do they say? He's going to be our Kyle Juszczyk, right? And so that's the vision for them going forward. Tennessee Titans check in at 10. This was an offense that yards per play, they were tied for third last year at 6.1. We might see some Tannehill regression, but he was a top 10, top 5, top 3 quarterback in many categories last year. Like you look at adjusted net yards per attempt, right? And I think that's a pretty good place to start when you talk about metrics for quarterbacks. And here's your top five working up. Stafford at five, 8.15. Lamar at four, 8.19. Again, that's your MVP. Drew Brees at three, 8.33. Patrick Mahomes at two, 8.38. And then Ryan Tannehill at one with 8.52. And that wasn't the you know only stat where Tannehill showed that he had an elite season last year. You know, you want to look at NFL's next-gen stats, some of the stuff that they do. In terms of the, the what they call the completion percentage above expectations, that's where they take your completion percentage your expected completion percentage and measure the difference, right? So if a throw is supposed to be completed and you don't, that's going to be a mark against you. 
And so they take what your expected completion percentage would be, you know, factor in things like nearest defender, type of route, all that stuff, and then your actual completion percentage over the season and see the plus minus there. Tannehill was the best in the league in that plus minus with a plus eight. His completion percentage was 70.3. His expected completion percentage was 62.2. That eight-point difference was the best in the league. Next was Drew Brees at 6.3. Then Kirk Cousins at 5.5. Then Ryan Wil- Russell Wilson at 4.8. Tannehill had an elite season last year. And if there is even some regression, this is still a good offense. Now let's get into the top nine here. And at nine is that team I mentioned earlier when we were talking about Denver that I took a bit of a swing on, and that's Arizona. This was an offense that was mid-pack at best. 16th out of 32 in points per game with a 22.6. 22nd out of 32 in yards per game at 34, 341.7. And 16th out of 32 in yards per play, 5.5. Middle of the pack, right? I'm betting on a Kyler Murray year two jump, and I'm betting on the addition of DeAndre Hopkins because this is a team that ran 10 personnel more than anybody else last year. It was basically their base offense, right? You're looking at a 10 personnel package with DeAndre Hopkins, Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk, Keyshawn Johnson, or Andy, or Andy Isabella as your four wide receivers with Kenyon Drake as your running back. That can work. And so I'm all in on this offense. I might get burned for the take, but I'm all in on it. Now your top eight names you'd expect. Atlanta at eight. I think, yeah, Matt Ryan didn't have the kind of year you expect to see. It was his perhaps his worst year in a while. He had adjusted net yards per attempt of 6.08, his lowest since the 2013 season. But he still has a lot to work with. If they get anything from Todd Gurley, this is going to be a good offense. Seattle at seven. Look, you got Russell Wilson. Like, they're are a handful of guys that you just consider the elites at the position right now. And Wilson is certainly one of those. San Francisco 49ers at six. This was a top five offense last year. Second in points per game at 29.9. Fourth in yards per game at 381.1. Fifth in yards per play at 6.0. You've got Kyle Shanahan. You've got Garoppolo's release. Yeah, you know, they lost Emmanuel Sanders, sure. But this offense can still work. Kyle Shanahan is still a fantastic, you know, play caller and designer. Even if they backslide a bit, it's a top 10 offense. And with that defense, that could still be enough in the NFC. A Tampa Bay Buccaneers at five. And this was an offense that was top three last year in many categories. They were tied for third in points per game at 28.6. Tied for th- They were third in yards per game at 397.9. And they did it with a quarterback who threw 30 picks. And even if Tom Brady cuts that in half and throws 15, that would be a first because he's never thrown 15 in a season. His most recent high of 13 was way back in 2009. So if Brady just comes in and cuts the picks down from 30 to 13 with the weapons they have, it's a top five offense. At four, the Dallas Cowboys. They were first in yards per game, first in yards per play, sixth in points per game. Dak Prescott, and as I said, well, in the, I linked this in the piece. When you're talking about Dak Prescott, there's only one thing you need to do. Pay him. 
pay that man his money. Thank you, Teddy KGB. Appreciate the little assist there. Back to the Oreos now. Relax a little bit. But this is a good offense. And you should pay Dak Prescott. But Prescott's not the only reason this is a good offense. And we can expect it to be a good offense yet again. Ezekiel Elliott. Whatever you want to say about running backs. He's kind of the thing you hope for, right? Because he could contribute in both the pass and the run game. Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and they add C.D. Lamb to that. Kellen Moore calling the plays, pulling the strings. This is going to be a very good offense. Our number three, the New Orleans Saints. One more year with the human computer. Drew Brees under center. You add Emmanuel Sanders. You've got Michael Thomas. And whatever you want to say about Michael Thomas, I know the debates are raging on the, to- raging on the timeline. He's a great receiver. Alvin Kamara, three-drawn back, true weapon in the passing game. Maybe they get a little bit something from Adam Trotman, but they still have Jared Cook at the tight end spot. Sean Payton, great play caller. No question, this should be a very good offense. A two, Baltimore Ravens. This was by some metrics the best offense in the league last year. Number one in points per game with 33.2. Number two in yards per game, 407.6. Tied for third in yards per play. You've got the reigning MVP in Lamar Jackson. You've added J.K. Dobbins to Mark Ingram. You get the nice one-two punch now at the running back spot. You've got the tight ends you need. You've got, you know, year two of, you know, Miles Boykin and Hollywood Brown. And this should be a very good offense yet again. And finally, at number one, is it a sh- surprise? Is it a shock? It shouldn't be. It's Patrick Mahomes. It's Tyree Kill. It's Travis Kelsey. It's Sammy Watkins. It's now Clyde Edwards-Alare. This is going to be a very good offense again. And CEH is a perfect fit. Whatever you want to say about drafting running backs in the first round, if you're going to do it, draft a guy that your own coach thinks is going to be better than Brian Restbrook. I think that fits. He's a guy that is going to contribute in the passing game. A good offense got better. So that's how I've got him worst to first. You can quibble with the rankings. You can yell at me on Twitter on the old Bird app. You can call me somebody that his only expertise is in insurance defense law. I get it. I shall endure the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune that is the life I get to lead. It's the gig. Anyway, folks, that will do it for today. Sort of rundown of the top 32. Well, not top 32. The 32 offenses from bottom to top. At least how I see them. Again, follow along on the bird out. If I haven't given you the old follow back, you know, pin me on that. want to make sure I'm following everybody. Um, Take care of each other. You know, we're coming out of the old uh, quarantine time. Um, Stay safe. Wash those hands. Sintle on. And when you do, bless those Patriots' reigns. Down to Parkinson.